0: Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dr. Dan Quintana and I'm here with Dr. James Heathers. How are you, James? I'm well. I am pretty. I am many <laughs> fine things. Well, uh, today we're going to talk about something. You sent me this, uh, this blog post and it had, uh, had a fantastic title. And it was, Is Withholding Your Data Simply Bad Science or Should It Fall Under Scientific Misconduct? Now there's a
1: there's a, there's a yeah right out of the gate let's not waste any time let's get let's get straight into it is it straight. a scientific misconduct should we throw these people in the sea in what uh, manner in what manner should we be screaming about this particular problem and that's a very good question um say you had access to nothing but the title is withholding your data simply bad science or should it fall under your scientific uh, fall under scientific misconduct excuse me and you would say i would say
0: not always because my first response when i when you sent me the link i'm going that's a, that's a bit harsh uh there are <laughs> of course there are <laughs> of course there are there are circumstances where you simply just can't share the data purely because of privacy issues especially mm. if you're working with uh some with, with certain uh, certain psychiatric or certain clinical populations. so i thought that's uh that's a bit much but you know let's uh let's read on
1: Okay, and we Im- immediately deal with that because the study was specifically dealing with authors from economics journals. Um, two things there. But first of all, uh, there's your, your ability to maintain privacy of your personal information is a bit different if it's uh, your mental illness, etc., Personal mm. details, rather than—I mean, I don't know what. I think economic data gets too personal, at least not compared to psychiatric data, certainly. And mm. um, the other thing is, I don't know how many personal details would be collected in an economics paper. I, mean, in, not, in, I, try, I in, wouldn't in, expect. No, in, I, in I don't. Most cases. I don't think there's any. And of course, when there's no need to say where is that, what's this person's name, how should they be identifiable. What were their continuing relationship with this study is not defined in terms of who they are. Mm. Um, there's no sort of treatment follow-up. Oh no, we need to find Kevin. It doesn't happen. So <laughs> the, the the idea of uh, protecting the data so everything uh, pr- pr- protecting it so nothing nothing happens to the person so they're not exposed in a way they don't want to be is absent from. This particular paper but it it's also it's also absent from our work a lot of the time i mean i've got I've got lots of intimate details of people sitting on this computer uh, mm-hmm. the, the simple the simple fact of the matter is it has zero identifiable information of anyone unless you can tell. Would someone's? I don't even have heights and weights a lot of the time saved in the same. Unless you can identify someone from the simple fact that they were nineteen in the year two thousand and fourteen. No, but but there uh, are some
0: people. I, I actually saw um uh one of uh, one of our listeners uh, uh Alex Holcomb. Hello hello Alex, was uh he put Alex, out a, you're a terrible human being. <laughs> he put out a um uh, I think it was more of a hypothetical question, on um you know what are the limits of. Uh, you know computer programs or AI actually identifying people um based on their based on their data like what what is the the lowest amount of or the the least amount of data or, or demographic data about someone that you can put out there um that can actually be identified and um it was sort of that, is a, a, of,
1: that is a very Alex kind of issue um forward, it started think, a lot of forward thinking borderline useless um well, come on! It's easier. It's easier to break into someone's filing cabinet or computer and get the actual thing, the actual <laughs> details themselves, than it is to use AI to reverse engineer their publicly available data to try and find them. Yeah, and
0: that it just it just makes you think, though. Like, where do we where do we draw the line? Uh, I think, given enough expertise and enough computing power uh i think the consensus at the moment is that you can actually with very very little data uh gender age um uh, and i think one thing that was mentioned was also uh geolocation so if you're if people are doing questionnaires um
1: online and you can actually get the ip addresses yeah, there of are course. ways but
0: but i mean but, but like I you am, said i am i
1: am presently doing that on a study where we have answers from people all over the world and yeah. the IP addresses allow me to state not uh, down to sort of sometimes city block sorts of mm. levels, which is, is creepy, frankly, uh, but pretty cool. Um, of course, it, if I ever had to publish the information there'd be no need to include any of that it would all be that would be redacted i don't think exactly. anyone needs to check the fact that there were three participants in portland oregon and two participants from austria and one participant from japan it's a and that identifiable information is uh, there's no need to include it
0: but i think the one thing that you can do to actually circumvent this problem is Back in the uh, the IRB phase or the ethics <sighs> phase, yeah, is if you actually tell participants or ask participants or inform them that their this data may be shared, and you get their written informed consent, and you can do that. Then you actually avoid a lot of these problems. And most people, uh, I mean, getting this retrospectively, it's possible, but it's a pain in the ass. Um, can you imagine contacting no, all of the it, participants it's,
1: when you say it's possible? You mean it's it's you should be saying. It's not really the point. It's wildly, ludicrously impractical. Yeah, hugely
0: impractical. Unless Um, you've got
1: a very small sample of people who are from a clinic or a particular locality, it might be possible. But mm -hmm. for past a a dozen people or so, it's going to be a nightmarish task that should be avoided at all costs. So So don't do that. But it's, it's almost as if we're kind of in this weird
0: transition period in that people have only really, really started thinking about sharing data um, within the past year or so mm. as we know projects take a while IRB approvals take a while so it almost seems that hopefully you would think that a lot of people are thinking about these issues and now I know myself, any IRB approvals that we're doing moving forward are, is going to have this provision in there this provision so that researchers uh, so that participants know or they actually provide consent that their data is going to be shared but I can only do that for these future studies. I can't actually do that for my current stuff as mm. much as I would love to, um, especially for my autism trial. That, that, that That's a different kettle of fish. Okay. I don't even know if my IRB, um, my local IRB would let me do that because it's such a specific population. Mm. Um, healthy controls? Yeah, sure, why not? But um, for a very specific, you know, males aged between 18 and 35 who all happen to live in the Oslo uh, area, that's 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 incredibly specific. Hmm. so almost you know even if you could i'm not even sure if many irb uh irbs would actually let you do that so i don't know i I feel like a lot of people who are who are talking about these issues there aren't that many who are actually in clinical research nothing nothing you know we, we spoke about what grinds dan's gears here it is people yeah people who are in different research areas who jump in on other research area, take all these potshots, all these criticisms, and then go back to where go back to where they've uh, you know their their safe little
1: area? That's annoying. That was a that's a fine gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, we managed to kick you out of happy mode there for a second into the the, the less appropriate one, slightly less happy mode.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. Um, um, super super annoying. Did
1: have you found that like? Within does that happen within physiology? Uh, no, I think. Look, there's a, a lot of areas where the the general discussion of a lot of this stuff is substantially reduced. Um, I mean, look, the whole the whole idea about um, I mean, problems of oh no, the ethics has to be 100%, the the, the ethical approval of this study has to be absolutely 100% ironclad under all circumstances in the first place, is is a hangover from ethical mistakes of the past and the real potential for some studies to piss people off. But Mm. an awful lot of information, when you start to move away from the way white people in a room feel... An awful lot of information. The, the the sharing of it is much more straightforward. People just store names on databases with that are identifiable, and there aren't any problems because no one's. I, mean, I can understand if you say, like, say someone someone has a someone has a pacemaker. Someone's health records are publicly available, so they can't get insurance. There are privacy concerns, yeah, but the vast majority of the time, the concerns of the the, these concerns are being deployed by people from areas where traditionally ethical concerns uh, have been much more important. And they're being carried over into other areas where people just don't care. You should see the way doctors approach this. Any any half-decent radiologist has a uh, a box... Of hilarious x-rays of all the people who've got <laughs> random stuff stuck in them. Look, this is a, go- a guy with a can of spray paint stuffed up his ass. He said he fell over on a construction <laughs> site. Here's a woman with a knife in her head. Wow! Yeah, yeah they, they, and there'll they, be a They're s- around like trading cards. There'll be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there'll be a little circle <laughs> of doctors, a little half-moon of doctors around taking cell Ooh. phone photos, sending them to their friends. Look, the, the approaches to this change Wildly. Depending on who you're talking to. But they change generally from, we're extremely aware of all of these issues, through to, we couldn't give a toss. Yeah. Not, they don't matter as much as, uh huh, I suppose. But,
0: okay, but th- these are two separate things. Because we've putting... also
1: lost focus horribly at this point. I mean, you're really digging down into details here.
0: Like, yeah, so we'll, we'll bring it back a bit. I think a lot of the issues with this particular blog post or this particular paper was that. People said in their papers, we will share the data.
1: Okay, that, that's that is, fine. That's a, so what, what actually happened is a paper from last year, the paper we were originally supposed to talk about until, until someone got his nipples in a twist. <laughs> this paper uh, follows the adventures of two economists through economics journals where they were requesting data from people who specifically stated in a paper, data is available on request. Mm. So they requested it, So pe- where people have assented to giving it away. Now, there's yep. one crucial detail that uh, I don't think made it into the blog post that is actually in the paper. They only asked one time. No, okay. no follow-up. Now, in my experience with asking for data, the idea that someone will just go, Oh, we've got that all packaged together, here you are is a small percentage of well-organized people. And they're generally well-organized because someone else has done it for them. You're writing to uh, a PI or a lab head asking for data, and someone has collated, cleaned, and uh, filed that data for them. It's not their stuff some of the time. Those are the people who can go, here's here's the data, bang, there you are. Um, A lot of the time, it represents a reasonably significant use of time. To go and to go and get data, um, you Shouldn't will be the also case, be but eval- it is. of course. I'm telling you what is the case, not yeah. whether or not it's a good idea. Obviously, that's not amazing as people don't have their stuff precolated. Yeah. Um, they also will evaluate the nature of the request. I mean, it's supposed to be open data, but it's a open open data uh, if it's not too much of a hassle for us, <laughs> or Open data if we like the cut of your jib young lad well they actually tested this in the
0: paper because they specifically asked the experimental question does it make a difference firstly if they're from a prestigious uh, business school in the states versus a what happens if we ask it from a person from Poland mm. from the so there was one one of the authors was from the uh, University of Warsaw one of the or, one of uh, the other University authors. of what? What's Warsaw. That? What's that? War, Warsaw Warsaw <laughs> Warsaw 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 and someone. the other author was from the Columbia Business School yeah and yep. uh, they actually tested this and apparently there was modest effects of where they actually sent it from yeah but not um, not huge effects okay, so that's, people
1: that's not that's not what I meant uh, yeah there was um, the Columbia Columbia faculty people did try to make a um a better impression Failure function for compliance? Yeah, I'm to try to make a better impression. That's not what I meant, though. Try, try these two hypotheticals for size. Okay. Dear Dr. Quintana, I hope you are well and tapas flows from the sky for you. <laughs> I really enjoyed your paper, XYZ lies about neuropeptides told by idiots in a hallway. <laughs> I would very much like to work with you on problem XYZ, and to that end would be interested in seeing the data from... Paper ABC Perhaps this is something we can do if there are further details in the QRS. Looking forward to your reply Uh, uh thanks for all the fish Researcher number one. Okay, and more like the, the one that we had to send out recently for the Grim Paper. Dear researcher, we are currently writing a paper specifically identifying great big stinking inaccuracies in the published <laughs> literature that we think morons like you are making. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing quite a lot. If you'd be so kind as to send us your data, we will go through it with a fine-tooth comb and point out all the really bog-obvious stuff you should have known for yourself, you massive dong. Yours sincerely, allegedly aggressive person from the other side of the world. P.S. We're on to you, don't try to hide. <laughs> but I think the actual
0: nature of this request from these researchers was somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, I think most of the time it will be somewhere in the middle, and obviously, yeah. obviously, I'm paraphrasing because this is, the, is also supposed to be entertainment. I don't think you think this entire <laughs> thing is a didactic exercise. That would be truly, truly depressing. But okay, so you- the the tone. The tone and nature, I think people evaluate this request very, very closely. They're aware of what will happen to their data if they sent it. Um, I will not name the researchers involved in this, but there was a paper, it was an HIV paper a couple of years ago, um, and I'm almost, I'm about 85% certain that there's a specific problem With the the data in this paper It got Mm. quite a lot of press It's been well cited um, And it's reasonably straightforward Um, The data was was, uh, analyzed quite well The methods were very open But I think there was a problem with the way the data was processed I wrote to the first author And asked for the data And they said, I don't have it You'll have to talk to other author and I had a very long conversation with other author about what I thought was happening and why I thought it would be interesting, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and got right to the end and thought, oh we're making progress here. This is very interesting and then got the nicest get fucked email um you could possibly imagine. <laughs> so obviously they're not following when you're not following something like this up, when you when you put a result into the literature and people come out of the woodwork to tell you that they think there's a problem with it. Unless you're actively following it up if it's something that you plan on working with rather than something that you had access to and you did simply because it's a nice thing to publish a thing then your attitude can be different because maybe maybe you feel less in command of what you've published Mm. um Maybe it's a, maybe it's a simple matter that you've, 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 we've gone and got a paper in that area. It now forms an important thing. So leave it alone. Don't let this idiot from wherever come and ruin our day by bollocksing on about this paper. And when you know, this is, this is never going to be more frustrating than, you know, know, it's, it's fun to write a paper, ask 200 people and you get a 44% response rate. That's actually pretty good considering, um, Considering previous uh, previous efforts to do exactly the same stuff, um, but when you really need that data because you think there's a big alternative explanation, there's a problem, and it's it's worth chasing up because it's getting a lot of attention. When you get the brush off in that particular scenario, then then there's definitely a breakdown in process somewhere. That's something that shouldn't be happening yeah um and it's not just a matter of oh the cat ate it oh it's under the bed oh we we only we only have it in non-digitized form it's a matter i think people look at requests like that and they evaluate them as threatening or non-serious and both of those attitudes are separate problems but they're both problems
0: you know what we almost need is some sort of centralized data repository where the, the publisher holds the data or some sort of authority, some sort of non-profit authority. Okay. You, you agree, um, if, if, if you have data available on request, you obviously have the data there. Let's just say there's some sort of system where you submit the paper, you submit this data here, the reviewers have access to this data, which a lot of journals are moving towards. And then, if anyone wants access to the data, they send a request either to the publisher or to the owners of this data set. They can figure out whether it's a legitimate request from another researcher, and then Mm -hmm. it's up to them. So, you're basically shifting the responsibility from the researcher to this hopefully honest third party that takes care of everything.
1: Well that's a bet could provide an awful lot of work for an honest third party. Is it a lot more work than simply making the data available and then you also have the trouble of determining who the legitimate request is coming from so um, obviously people who are cranks and requesting data so they can bust open the system because they have insights no one else (laughs) has thought of uh someone sent me for fun the other day is a a paper on vaccine injury and i don't get involved in that particular area of skepticism you know there's a, a community of people who are uh, broadly apply scientific principles to uh, some more everyday life stuff, so they end up dealing with, them. Um, you, you know, the kind of thing that people yeah. who are formerly in the sceptical movement end up dealing with. Um, a lot of it bores the dick off me, frankly. Um, I know that they're in there fighting the good fight and really trying to... There's it, it, it an element of social change in it, but the idea of having the 950th argument... Or supporting piece of evidence about this same actual thing just leaves me cold. Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah, there's still idiots and there's this thing. I've got... I'm not interested in trying to police the boundaries of knowledge like that. So there's... Why am I talking about that? There's people who come out of the woodwork and they may be cranks or they may not be. And then the moment you suppress a crank, the noise gets ten times worse. Why can't I have access to the thing? Whinge. You know, he's like, dear sir, madam, your request is vexatious. Therefore, ah, we are not word. sending you. We are not sending you any data. Pound sand, leave us alone. The moment you do that, um, you 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 run the risk of the, the whole thing getting worse. So, oh, I'm, I'm a real boy. Just send me the data. I'm going to blow this conspiracy wide open. Idiots. But um, there has been a lot of cases of, of of legit scientists. Well, this is the thing that um this is the thing that happened to Jim Coyne. Recently. Mm. He's on he's on Twitter. You can you talk to him. He requested coin of the realm. Yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one. Hey Jim. Uh, he's not listening, he has things to do. Um He listens to our podcast. Does he? Yeah. Remember I, he I listened like, to a, one of him. our episodes. Um oh that's that's a good start. Um but here's what happened, he requested data from a PLOS One paper which has a very specific policy on data sharing. Now this man is a this man is a senior professor, who with like, papers from ten to fifteen years before I was born with a jillion citations. He's a long history of working in criticism and meta science, where it isn't easy. It isn't a mm. matter of going oh, so you believe in a, so you think homeopathy is real. I'll hit you with a stick. Not the the actual elements of taking on scientific establishments in different contexts which is much harder to do but more interesting as well but it's much it's much harder to do and one of the original even though that you are guaranteed access as a condition of publication in a plus one article he never managed to get the data and there was a suggestion at one point that the reason that he wanted to get the data was insufficient
0: yeah. it's because the request was uh, vexatious. Whoa,
1: that's just, and if you can if you can say that if you can say that to him, if you can come up with a reason to say that to him, then a system where something can be hidden, yeah, we, okay if if you if you can take it that far where you go, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna release that to someone who obviously has the expertise to analyze it and obviously has a strong interest in the subject. Mm. You know, it's not some guy off the street who's, uh, who, who, who has some idea about how a, a chronic fatigue syndrome should be treated. He's not some lunatic from the internet. This is, uh, this is, a, this is a real deal. So, look, the, the, one thing that's also going to happen to us in the relatively near future is I'm going to ask for a, a tranche of different uh, a different data records from people in the, the, the grim paper who didn't send them. Published in journals where the, the journals that are under the APA umbrella. Now you know that the, when you publish in an APA journal, it you you sign an agreement that specifically guarantees data sharing. Yep. Right. So a lot of people that we wrote to to get data to write this paper on inconsistencies said no. But did they cite privacy issues? No, they didn't cite anything. They either ignored us completely or they actually went, no, we're not sending you that. We don't like the look of you. <laughs> Must have so... been me. Nick's a very neat man. A neat man. You can't see the... Uh, the hand gestures, like... no. No, i like, uh, I've got to stop doing that. It ruins the podcast completely. What do you think of the hair? It's getting long. It's getting awesome. I look like <laughs> Aslan. Oh no, hang on. Um, that other one, cousin it. That's the one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mm. Not, not, not the Lion from the uh lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, Aslan.
1: Is that Aslan? Yeah, that's oh, Aslan. right. You know, I've yes. never seen the Lion King. Really? Yes.
0: You've never seen the Lion King? I have read the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah, but n- either in the uh, the movies or the or, or, or the or the theater.
1: The theatre, yeah. go to see the Lion King the musical.
0: <laughs> the musical. We, we are um we're getting a bit off track, so let's uh let's take a break and we'll be back talking about data sharing. It
1: is a good indication, isn't it?
0: When we start talking about James's hair, yes, but it
1: is <laughs> glorious. Okay, break time. I agree. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. I am Dr. James Heathers, and I am working on my public radio voice. With me is Dr. Daniel Quintana, and we are discussing the topic of... Data Q, sharing. Cue, Q, Q! Damn it! <laughs> that could have worked a lot better. Data sharing, or data secrecy if you're not sharing, depending on your perspective. There's a lot left to say.
0: Yeah, it's um, I think the one the one that we'll have to share this uh this graphic that was put up with this blog post about mm. the the seriousness of not sharing data, and it was just one step um behind fraud or outright making up the data.
1: Well, that's that's someone's that's someone's opinion. That's certainly something that turned my head around because I never thought of it like that before. Simply because it's so widespread to not make. Things available, but it's almost accusing people. The way this graphic
0: is is accusing people of basically fraud if you're not sharing, or you don't share, you have something to hide. Hmm. Whereas I think that there's an important distinction of you have something to hide versus you're incredibly disorganized and don't have the time to to dig back. That that that's just that's just um, it's lazy, being, lazy being and un-
1: lazy and uncollegial rather than you know, you're specifically trying to hide things.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Not it's a bit won't much to try to
1: hide things. I'm sure it happens. It's just um you know, and also this is this it 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 fits it fits in, it, interestingly with them. We, we we talk about questionable questionable research practices in general. Um one of the things that everyone always says is we believe that this is happening because people are overlooking their own confirmation bias. That's the first reason. People know it works in their heart of hearts, and then they fiddle with it till it works, which provides them confirmation that it was fine in the first place. They just weren't doing the quote-unquote correct analysis. Mm. So if you're doing that, hopefully you think you've done it right. Yeah. So, if you think you've done it right, what is the barrier to giving away the data? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Or is it yeah. just a make- "what if I"? What if I haven't done it right? Is it do people suffer from that much doubt?
0: I, I think some people do. Well, especially if they're being sloppy with their analysis, if they're fishing a bit, um, and they're 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 tweaking what they're doing then they were like, oh, you know, which 7th which covariate did I include in this regression model? And people, but surely if you had it in the methods, people can, can recreate it. Uh, but back to this graphic thing, I think um, they they held up a few things for the gold standard of sharing data. They had, you know, obviously have open data, good idea. Open code, that's also good, so you can actually recreate the thing.
1: Also, um, or the obviously, the code may not necessarily relate specifically to the data. Um, that's much easier to share.
0: Of course, the if you can't share your code. Any, the
1: code to run anything is always going to be much smaller in size, and obviously, the moment you finish with it, it's not like it's, it's sitting in pieces. The moment you are finished with it, uh, it works by definition, hopefully, most of the time. <laughs> so, that should be a lesser demand on time it should be a lesser technical requirement it should be uh, easier to do right unless
0: you're a hack on sbss that is point and click oh right okay whatever i I saw somebody in a paper (laughs) this journal's requirement was to (laughs) was to um provide the scripting except they did their analysis in software where you couldn't do that so in the appendix they did a whole series of screenshots showing them we did this then we clicked on this <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic so they're be open
1: <laughs> That's what, the ab- peril. What, about, what about just the instructions why not just write down the instructions
0: i don't know they they felt the need to screenshot everything that they did so they're, they're thorough that's, I'll, a- I'll, I'll, that's adorable um i'll give them i'll give them that sure. so okay yep yeah open code uh, that's super important and um, you know you should be doing that both so you can share with the public but also so you can do it yourself in the future one if you want to do a similar paper but two if someone asks you the question how did you get to this thing then you can just you know have it ready to go but the third thing they had for this gold standard was pre-registration we've spoken about this We know it's important. But the fourth thing was interesting. I didn't think of it, but now I'm like, okay, that's actually not a bad idea, is version control. Yeah. How do papers change or how do they evolve, particularly within the review process? Um, Because quite often you will see, you you just don't know what the original paper said. If you're submitting preprints, then you can get a pretty good idea about how the paper changed from the peer-reviewed version versus preprint. Um but uh but version control is also interesting to see how things change, yeah um, and uh a a lot of journals now actually post the comments of each reviewer and how the authors responded mm. also interesting to see how these things change. I wonder
1: if we'll get i wonder what the relationship between all of this movement towards openness, which obviously we're both on the record for a very long time as being in support of mm-hmm. um, when someone bothered to tell us it was a real thing. Um, I wonder how much it will actually improve things. I wonder how well idiots will flourish when well, things are open.
0: It'll prevent more idiots. Do you think Say, so? well, one, because you'll be able to find errors more, but the pure fact Who's that you're
1: going dar- to look?
0: People all the time. People,
1: yeah. Look, have... you, you, you've looked. <laughs> you are. Yeah, having... it's, I know, I know. But we know that I'm not normal.
0: But perhaps the actual act of knowing someone could probably look through my data is gonna make people double check. I know now that I'm so, posting our data and scripts.
1: Okay, I think that's a very good point. You think that the the fact that you know it has to be. Open is the thing that's going to change people's behaviour.
0: It will it's not well, okay. the
1: fact that there's going to be a hundred thousand sweaty people in the middle of the night, like me, bugged out of the hell because someone said something wrong on the internet. <laughs> which is no. not which is not healthy. Let's be honest. And um, no. you know, it, it it depends on the context, obviously, and sometimes it's useful, but sometimes it's just you being pedantic and difficult. So swings and roundabouts As a look because i' it, it's interesting and one of the things that people say when they criticize peer review I'm writing about this uh, I'm writing about this in another context right now one of the things that people continually say is, well look look at all this terrible stuff that actually made it through this was peer reviewed somewhere and then came out um, so obviously peer review is very far from infallible and i was thinking that one thing that 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 doesn't happen is that really close analytical view where you try and break open the statistics and you check results and you check if p and t and r values are consistent and you Mm. look at the methods and you check whether or not the references are consistent I think very, very few people who just read a paper have a mindset where they think about that stuff. They are they are looking at it in the mindset to start processing the conclusions of the paper. Now, they may change that on the basis of whether or not they think it's accurate overall, or whether or not they agree with the conclusions, and other sort of, of surface-level stuff like that. But they don't want to break it open and see whether or not the degrees of freedom are correctly reported. And all the other stuff that are little threads you have to pull to try and find out if something's really at its very guts methodologically accurate rather than conceptually. So, it will make that a lot easier to do when things are open. Hmm. I think a lot of people who are going to be placing data or analysis methods or similar in a repository for someone else to look at them will have them looked at at some point by someone who understands it better than they do. Yeah. The problem is how much of that stuff is there to go around? Because the other, you know, it's a it's a thankless job. If you're doing if you if you're writing a paper about it because you're interested in meta science, it's fine. But becoming your own kind of one-man army of very closely reviewing everything that you can see is just not going to happen. No one has time for that. No one has the inclination to... But you... What?
0: You're, you obviously have some sort of interest in it. Um, let's take the perspective of um, mega-analysis, where, say, rather than doing a meta-analysis on the published effect sizes, you can actually collect all the individual data sets if people are moving towards doing more um, open data, then you can actually do that. No problems at all. So that is a huge, a huge plus to doing it. Hmm. Okay. You, you seem skeptical. Well, Ob- obviously, that's mega just my me- face. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> obviously, mega analysis is uh, going to give you much more, much more sensitive analysis than, than meta analysis. So. You know, perhaps there are some research areas where this is uh, more normal practice, and then you can actually look at this and look at the individual data sets, hmm. and uh, hopefully you can draw uh, conclusions that you're more confident about if you're if you're
1: doing it this way. Yeah. Part of my interest in open data is really selfish. Why? Because more people who, if you if you do analysis papers that are just on signals. And more people are going to have signals that you can find and use, and you can mean you can get data at the same speed that you can think about problems and that's an enormous asset going forward, Mm. So, you, you know, you you know the way I'd like to do stuff like that. You know, want everything to move as quickly as possible, which is why academia is such a terrible fit for someone. Who <laughs> that's temperate. a horrible fit for you. <laughs> um, this is why I like preprint stuff so much. It's finished. Clang. There you are. Mm. So, in some sense, that's done. I can immediately talk about this. I have nothing left to protect. There's no more fuss. I don't have to embargo this deliberately until someone else has finished making a semi-arbitrary decision of whether or not it's any good. Yeah. So, open open data in that sense. If you do what I spend a lot of time doing, if you're looking at methodological development, it's hugely useful. And it's not a matter of I'm not going to... The other thing as well is that I can't imagine wanting to get into someone else's existing hypothesis so, oh i really want to check that a different way and see if i can publish something off their stuff no the vast majority of the time the data would be used in a way that they probably wouldn't imagine because they work in a different area they do different
0: stuff but i think that if people posting or people thinking about open data if that actually improves the quality of science that's good for everyone I think I think it will do that, as, indirectly, of course. But I think people knowing that the data is going to be out there, their scripts are going to be out there, and, and also, you know, remember that one of these um, uh, things that people were taught this, this uh, graphic has pre-registration, which was spoken about before, which is also mm-hmm. going to improve the uh, the of all the things that's going to improve the quality of science. Uh, I would much rather things pre-registered than have open data. Pre-registration is going to improve stuff.
1: Mmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Well, having I think having it as an expected standard will improve stuff. You know, yeah. Doing a lot of things for the first time. It's very difficult to pre register. We're doing an exploratory study with no hypothesis whatsoever. It's a matter of whether or not you get around to backing that up, doing it as Of a course, you time. wouldn't uh, pre register that. It takes a lot of time. But you know, you would you would mention that at the time. It's now a criticism of the fact that you had no idea what was supposed to happen before you actually decided to look inside <laughs> the box. No, that's I, I would be happy saying that of a lot of the stuff I've published. I you know, could it have been pre-registered? <laughs> Probably not. If it would Definitely be, it not. would be. Uh,
0: yeah, but you didn't pretend. Be you not dishonest. You didn't knit together some wild hypothesis in the paper, though, I and mean, that's that's the big difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um.
0: I think I, I remember once I um I put I actually put out there 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 were some parts that were hypothesized and others that were exploratory and one of the reviewers was like oh do you, do you care to put a hypothesis down? <laughs> I'm like what for for an expl for a thing that I already said was exploratory? It's just you just can't do it and I think that's uh, some people. Uh, think that it's just a nice thing to do to put the hypothesis down because it's just what you do not actually remembering that a hypothesis should actually be a priori <laughs> but some reviewers don't seem to think that. really what th- is a,
1: a matter of uh, oh why don't you why don't you go back and um why don't you go back and figure out what you thought back then and communicate something for me clearly yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, For yeah. fuck's sake. Really? Yeah.
0: It's happened a few times where it's like put together a hypothesis, put
1: together a hypothesis. You, that's <laughs> really fucking cargo culty. I I know papers have got I know papers have got a a part where it says hypothesis, so your paper should also have a hypothesis part. Yep. Go and write it in. Go, go on. Oh god, who are these? Ah, uh, no. Uh, they're let's, anonymous. Let's not, they're... let's not get angry. Who are these anonymous buffoons? <laughs> that's a well, good word i don't think that gets enough um i don't think that gets enough oxygen isn't that a that's a fucking marvelous word let's bring it back marvelous word buffoon. we can have buffoon of the week buffoon of the week we we, we in our in our uh,
0: efforts to put a positive phenomenon like we should also have uh the opposite someone who did, did something good buffoon of the week and uh i don't know
1: Well, there's an awful lot of nice words, but we need one that's really the right
0: nice word. Yeah. Maybe for our next episode, we can uh, have a segment, uh, Buffoon of the Week. But uh, the
1: problem is, of course, is I don't want to deliberately go out looking for buffoons. You don't need to go
0: looking out looking for buffoons. (laughs) Just open up the internet. And, just, uh, just open
1: the internet,
0: the it, and then and, and and you're there.
1: We will, of course, start criticizing life in general at some point. I wonder if they sh- should they be should they be a scientific. They buffoon? should probably
0: be a yeah. Let, let's let's loosely keep within our expertise.
1: Yeah, uh, if there's a um, if there's a a buffoon, it's the it would be the the guy who wrote this um. Uh, the this. Unbelievably bad uh, anti-vax paper thing. A the, the,
0: peer-reviewed paper? Uh, supposed-
1: it's in a it's in a fake journal.
0: <laughs> Go on. Um, like a predatory. Uh, pay a hundred bucks, and you've you're part of
1: the. Yeah, it's called the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. It's not in Medline, it's not in PubMed, it's not it in Web of impressive. Science. Uh, the National Library of Medicine re- decline requests for it to be entered into <laughs> its database. Uh, Quack Watch lists it as untrustworthy. Uh, a, a lot of editorials and different papers have slammed it. Um, remember Brian Deer is the journalist that uh, busted the original anti Vax paper that got Andrew Wakefield struck off the medical register. Mm. Yeah, he called it a house journal of a right-wing American fringe group, barely credible in any independent forum. Something, yeah. Wow. Um. So it's it's mental. Um. And it was about those. This is a typical shifting uh, goalpost sort of thing. Uh, combining multiple childhood. Combining multiple childhood vaccines in one visit is not safe. Um, which is a, a a total shift in goalposts thing. As you, you start off with, uh, you know, oh, they'll shrink your balls and kill you while you're asleep. Uh, and then, obviously, that doesn't happen. You do a hundred <sighs> enormous... Stuff. What was the last one? It was 1,000... 1.2, 1.2 million children. Oh, look at that. Vaccines are good for you. Who knew Jonas Salt was, wasn't, wasn't some kind of stealth agent from the pre-Monsanto's era? It's all just so fucking tiresome And I hate now. it because
0: you have uh, public funds which have been diverted. Uh, we've had a good case of this in Australia for mm. there was a, um, a, <laughs> a wind farm commissioner. Isn't that oh, a job title? Oh,
1: mother of God. Where we had oh, a wind farm co- so commissioner... Oh, so embarrassing. Who... Oh, get Barry from up the road. <laughs> oh, they go whoosh whoosh, it seems fine to me. <laughs> there, give him the money. Give him half the money.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, that, Sorry, that's what's, what's really I disappointing.
1: Sorry, what I interrupted you. wind farm commissioner is supposed to conduct yet another study into whether or not wind farm infrasound
0: causes all host of maladies
1: uh give it to someone who does placebo research and makes some good social science out of it yeah oh, damn it
0: so that's um oh, yeah get
1: in the fucking sea
0: <sighs> waste okay. of uh, yep. waste of research resources. waste of
1: waste of research uh, research resources waste of time um column inches all the way around the world as everyone else who lives in a real country combines together in one enormous belly laugh at the fact that the the place from the arse end of the world that appears uh, in so many of our popular films from the 70s to be sort of <laughs> bucolic and backwards and interesting and beset entirely with dangerous animal life is in fact... As dumb and cross-eyed and useless as it appears, because we have a wind farm commissioner. Why even bother having a, a tourist commissioner run those ads? Oh, look, it's a reef, it's a tree, it's a fucking echidna, etc. No, we have a wind farm commissioner. That's it. We're not going there. We're going to Bognor Regis. Ah, <laughs> uh, did you miss Australia?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, Why? Oh, I mean... I- Family and friends for one. Oh yeah, I miss that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess that's the biggest thing. But um, you know,
1: <laughs> someone got all thing- your family and friends and moved them to Oslo. Then I'd really take the sting out of it, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, life life is good here actually. So yeah, the biggest thing would be uh, would would be family and friends for sure. But you know, bit, bits of culture that you miss. I miss breakfasts. Breakfast isn't a thing here.
1: Breakfast isn't a thing.
0: Well, breakfast as we know it, you know, going down to your going down to your local, having a, you know, eggs, hash browns, eggs, coffee. coffee, good coffee, that kind of stuff.
1: Real coffee.
0: Yeah, coffee's improving here though. I have to say, if you go to the right cafes, it's the on par.
1: Norwegians are not unknown for their uh, ability to drink and make coffee. Believe it or not, yeah, in yeah, the sort of global snotty cafe scene. Which I occasionally dip a toe into, not <laughs> quite well regarded.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're they're actually you know really good if you find a good. Uh, you
1: would have loved Poland, for because the the good the good cafes were like Sydney good cafes. And, really, and they had Polish prices.
0: Wow. Oh. Uh, so we're talking like fifty. Uh,
1: w- how many odd, for the Aussie dollar for a flat white? Um. I would have spent about ten Australian dollars, that I would have done. Usually, did something irresponsible, like have a cortado and then have two double (laughs) espressos over the course of ninety minutes, and would have cost about ten Australian dollars. Excellent. Yeah. Um. So you know, the the uncle Uncle Sam doesn't believe. Believes there should be two sorts of coffee here. There should be really very good and horribly expensive, or there should be stuff that is normally used to. Hog up a, a hole in a roadway, or flows through the veins of an android, or s- some some other substance like that. It's always a relief when you go into a diner and they they give you the thing, or they just fill your coffee up uh until the end of time. Um, it's always a relief when it's uh, it's it's drinkable. Yeah, yeah. Very rarely do you go, oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Not because Americans don't generally make that accent. Um well, well this is uh, this is well, we should get distracted more often because I think this makes us seem a little bit more like people a little less yeah, yeah. like screaming monsters.
0: Let's uh wrap it up for for this week then. Um yeah. before before we go, uh, remember to follow us on all the social media accounts. We actually reached an important milestone this week in that Did our we? number of Twitter followers has actually surpassed our Facebook page fans. So well done team Twitter. Uh oh, we'll, right Yeah, yeah, okay. so
1: I had no idea we were keeping score cuz well, we managed that one and I managed the Facebook.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if um so if, you, if if you're listening, cheeky, remember to uh follow us on uh Twitter at, at Hertz Podcast, so we can uh keep uh keep the momentum going when it comes to beating uh the the Facebook page, but if you're into oh, Facebook, come on
1: if you're it's into not a competition well it, it, a competition. It, it wasn't a competition before but now it is a competition yeah oh are you doing this on purpose to try and get me to do more promo
0: i'm doing this to get you to join twitter james well act- oh, mother <laughs> act- of god i a- don't a- act- twitter a- i just no, don't active. use it because it's a active. toilet yeah well this this toilet's reaping dividends <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs>
1: Toilet team, dividend. T- t- Take team that Twitter.
0: <laughs> I, I, I know you're listening. Keep the um, keep the retweets going. I know that helps with uh, with followers. But uh, you know, if you if you do like Facebook, then you can also like us there. We post all of our episodes and our show notes as well, plus a few other tidbits here or there. So uh, thanks for listening. Remember to rate us on iTunes as well. Five stars. And uh, nice words if you are so inclined.
1: Yes. We'd appreciate that. Actually, Dan would appreciate that. You would too. I wouldn't. Yes, I will. I'll mail you a chocolate. (laughs) Right. Let's go and do our actual job, shall we?
0: Let's do it. Rock and roll.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.